Well, as you may have surmised, I want to talk this morning about Epiphany, January 6th, and about epiphanies spelled with a lowercase e, those aha experiences where things suddenly become clear or clearer. First, and briefly, the Orthodox holiday. Nowadays, most of us think of the Christmas season as running from Thanksgiving through December 25th, even through New Year's Day. Historically, before all the commercial activity got tacked onto it, Christmas ran from December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, through Twelfth Night, which is also known as Epiphany, and always celebrated on January 6th, the 12th day of Christmas. Unitarian Universalists, as a rule, do not pay much attention to the intricacies of the Christian liturgical calendar. But the theologian in me is always enjoying, always does enjoy, cracking open these metaphors and seeing in this worldly, humanistic terms, what is revealed. Capital E Epiphany actually commemorates three separate events. The visit, the visit by the Magi being only one of them. Alan Watts, in his Beacon Press published Myth and Ritual in Christianity, shares several legends about the three magician kings depicted in the book of Matthew. Tradition represents them as Chaldean or Persian astrologers, Zoroastrian sages, or as kings representing the three races of the ancient world, black, yellow, and white. Their gifts symbols appropriate to any universal redeemer. As king, the gold of tribute. As God, the incense of worship. As sacrificial victim, the myrrh for embalming the body. According to the author of Matthew, no sooner had the Magi departed than the Holy Family followed suit, fleeing to Egypt and away from Herod's wrath. And so, with Jesus' birth safely accomplished and the Savior, or the future Savior, out of harm's way, another Christian season ends. I always like to think of the wise men in more modern garb, a kindly physician like Marcus Welby, a scientist like Madame Curie, a sagacious professor, perhaps, or an enlightened political leader like Nelson Mandela. They are symbols for the wise and good people everywhere who are faithfully and honestly seeking the truth and something truly sacred to believe in, which, according to the story, can be found as nowhere else in the nativity tableau, a baby born to loving, hopeful parents of modern circumstance. 
Now, Orthodox Christianity tends to get uppity and defensive about Jesus' birth being unique. And, of course, it was unique, just as everyone's birth is unique. Most Unitarian Universalists look as look at the events described as happening that first epiphany in the manner that Sophia Lyon Foz, the legendary UU uh, uh, religious educator, writes, each night a child is born is a holy night. Fathers and mothers sitting beside their children's cribs feel glory in the sight of a new life beginning. Each night a child is born is a holy night. No less reason to rejoice, at least in my way of thinking. Unitarian Universalists celebrate the potential all people share to grow in spirit and insight, to come into their own individualized reflection of the Christ consciousness available to all people when they look within, into the soul, the psyche, the Atman, that is Brahman, in every woman and every man, every person's heart of hearts. Now, so far, we've been talking exclusively about Epiphany with a capital E. There is another kind of Epiphany spelled with a lowercase e. It is to these lowercase Epiphanies, if you will, that I now want to direct our attention. The dictionary defines a small e epiphany as an appearance or manifestation, especially of a deity. I was talking with a colleague, Reverend Allison Jacks, comparing the thoughts on this, uh, our various thoughts on this subject. Allison said she thought of epiphanies as aha experiences, where suddenly you just get something that you had not before, a sudden insight, discovery, or flash of recognition. Epiphanies of this elk can be delightful and charming, but not always. The discovery of a telltale love letter or missing funds may well lead to an aha moment, but surely not a joyous one. The common denominator is seeing things in a new way, a more accurate way. Oh, yes, now I see the carbon molecule takes the form of a ring, realized the German chemist Frederick August Kukoli. Aha, a ring, an epiphany. James Kars is a professor at New York University, now emeritus, who has authored several fascinating books on matters such as these. In one of them, Breakfast at the Victory, The Mysticism of Ordinary Experience, Professor Kars describes an epiphany he had as a teenager sailing an old schooner um, with a bunch of other young men on Lake Michigan. One night, the skipper put Kars on a night watch While others slept, he had responsibility for maintaining their course into daylight. He did this by locking onto a star and staying with it, reveling in the pristine moonless night air and sky. When the captain came on deck, 
at sunrise, he suddenly went ballistic. The ship was 30 degrees off course. Only then did young Kars realize that the stars he had charted his course by had, through the course of the night, been moving steadily westward across the summer sky. Or rather, to quote him exactly, what I saw was this. Instead of a boat sailing across Lake Michigan, chasing the stars in their westward drift, it was the lake, the earth itself, turning away from the stars. The earth was rolling in her own sea, but under us, not with us. As for the ship, she held unerringly to her course through the galaxies. Roughly the same image presented in one of our favorite Unitarian hymns, Blue Boat Home, in the Teal Hymnal. Aha! And it's a sublime image, surely, but neither charming nor delightful, deeply embarrassing to the author, actually, but profound in the sense that he never saw himself quite the same again and never experienced the world in quite so pre-Copernican a way. He had an epiphany in that ever afterwards he saw things in a more accurate way and as part of a larger scheme. As an appearance or manifestation, especially of a deity, epiphanies clearly have a spiritual aspect. The author James Joyce clearly thought so. Writing in a portrait of an artist as a young man, Joyce declares, by an epiphany I mean a sudden spiritual manifestation, whether of speech or of gesture or in a memorable phrase of the mind itself. Joyce's writing discipline involved recovering these epiphanies with extreme care, writing them down exactly, and putting them unadorned into his work. Another author who writes about epiphanies, one more accessible to me than James Joyce, is Annie Dillard. Strongly influenced by the transcendentalist Unitarians Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau, Dillard's Pinker at Pilgrim at Tinker Creek won a Pulitzer Prize in 1975. In it, she describes her experience wandering the countryside behind her house in Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains. She looks at the seasons coming and going, burgeoning spring followed by prodigal summer, fruitful autumn, and then the long still months of wintertime. The flora, the fauna, the wind and rain, the curve of the earth, the shadows at different hours of the day, animal nests, mating calls, all masterfully described and beautifully interlaced with observations about how people see. That is, see deeply into the essence of things and the many ways we train ourselves not to see, such that many people hardly see anything at all. Pilgrim at Tinker Creek includes a long sequence in which Annie Dillard describes an amazing book she read by Marius von Senden called Space and Sight. 
When Western surgeons discovered how to perform safe cataract operations, they ranged across Europe and America operating on dozens of people of all ages who had been blinded by cataracts since birth. Von Senden collected accounts of many such cases. Learning to see at an advanced age is not as easy as one might think. Some people, however, do manage to learn, especially the young people. And I'm quoting Annie Dillard. When her doctor took her bandages off and led her into the garden, one girl who was no longer blind saw the tree with lights in it, writes Dillard. It was for this tree, the author goes on, that I searched through peach orchards of summer, in the forests of fall, and down winter and spring for years. Then one day I was walking along Tinker Creek, thinking nothing at all, and I saw the tree with lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning doves had roost, where the morning doves roost, charged and transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was wholly afire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being seen for the first time, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. The flood of fire abated, but I still, but I am still spending the power. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar, the colors died, the cells unflamed and disappeared. I was still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment I was lifted and struck. I have since, Annie Dillard concludes, only very rarely seen the tree with lights in it. The vision comes and goes, but I live for it. Some epiphanies like that are purely personal, though her skill as a writer helps her share it with all of us. Whole communities, too, can have what I guess I'll call a transpersonal epiphany changing their ways of thinking, seeing anew their situation and abandoning outmoded, old-fashioned ways for new attitudes and understandings. I've been struck by the irony of the January 6th Capitol insurrection happening on the very day long celebrated as one of sudden new awareness and insight for seeing the truth about a situation not fully recognized until that point. As our president asked in a speech three days ago, President Biden, has America become a land where citizens accept political violence as a norm, where we allow partisan election officials to overturn the legal legal expressed will of the people, and where one political party has become the timid captive of a narcissistic, pathological liar who who was soundly defeated at the polls but won't admit it to himself or to his country, and for whom Fox News 
and much of the major media are but errand boys, helping plan and trying to execute a coup d'etat. Hearing last Thursday from the President and from Republican Representative Liz Cheney outlining the events of a year ago, I now see the 2020 GOP presidential campaign and Mr. Trump's efforts to reverse the will of millions of American voters as part of a larger and very nefarious scheme. Talk about an epiphany. So, what are we to make of all this? What can we take away and learn from? It's my hope that we can make a pledge, each of us, internally to cultivate epiphanies, learning to see things in new, brighter, more integral ways, learning to recognize our connections to larger patterns than that of but our ego. I think that would be good, very good for everyone. Radical breakthroughs do happen, but one must bid them internally. You must creatively visualize them, pray for them, if you will. You must resolve internally that you want to see things in new and brighter ways. That's the beginning. The beautiful myth of nativity and Christmas is now over. Another year celebrating the return of light and hope at winter solstice has come and gone. Let us recognize the hopeful and uplifting message in our Unitarian Universalist slant on Epiphany that the incarnation indwells in everyone. Each night a child is born is a holy night. And its corollary, in the words of the late reggae musician Bob Marley, a mighty God is a living man. Let us do our part to recognize the extraordinary potential of every human child when guided and encouraged lovingly. Let us also recognize the extraordinary capacity we all share as awake and sentient beings to see and to see the, the awesome and the breathtaking everywhere we look, not only in the minds and hearts of children, but in trees with lights in them everywhere we look, whenever we are blessed with a sense of epiphany. So may it be day after day throughout the year to come and the many years beyond. Amen. Blessed be. Shalom. Salam. Namaste.